You're listening to the First Baptist Rockdale Sunday Sermons Podcast. First Baptist Rockdale is a church dedicated to making disciples who make disciples. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Well, guys, it is good to be here today. We're in 3 John. Uh, 3 John is one chapter. If you don't know where 3 John is, this is the back of my Bible. I mean, it is right there at the back of your Bible. Only books after 3 John is Jude and Revelation, okay? So you can find it relatively easily, but it is tiny, all of 15 verses. So this is a short book. Uh, by the time we're done today, you can say that you have read 166 of the Bible. And you can ask what other people did on their Mother's Day uh, between, you know, 11 and 11.30. You covered a 66 of the Bible. I don't know what anyone else did, but that's a pretty good chunk of the Bible we're going to hit today. We're going to read the whole thing today, but we'll break it up and talk a little bit as we go. 3 John chapter 1, John is writing a letter, hence the name of the book, and this is what John writes. He says, the elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you, and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoice greatly when the brothers came, and they testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, it is a faithful thing that you do in all of your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. Okay, so, so what is going on here is John is writing a letter to a man named Gaius, or Gaius, and, and Gaius is just a guy. We don't know much about him. All we know about him is what's right here in this very personal letter. I would say this or Philemon are the two most personal letters in all of the Bible. They're addressed to an individual, not to a church, uh, and they're dealing with matters that deal with that person. So who is this man, Gaius? What can we know about him? What we know is he was a, a Christian in John's community, uh, whenever I was in seminary, I learned some big words. And one of the words that I learned uh, was Johannin. And the idea was that John had a community, these Johannin communities. I think it's actually Johannin. I think it's German, technically. Um, but, but the idea is John had a community of churches that he was kind of over. And so John was up here. And then he had a variety of churches generally near where he was, but spread out from him in houses and in small towns. Um, that were teaching the truth, and John was kind of recognized as the, the apostle over those churches. And so John would encourage them and write letters to them and try to keep them walking in the right way. And this Gaius man is someone inside of that community. He's someone that John knows personally, and he's a man of commendable character. In fact, John says about him that you're walking in the truth, right? He says, you know, I have no greater, greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And he, and he says, and, and you're doing that, guys. And so we get to find out what it means to walk in the truth. And as Christians, we're supposed to be people who walk in the truth. We're supposed to be truth walkers, right? We're not supposed to be walking in falsehood or in lies or in deceptions. Our whole life should be walking in the truth. Uh, and that truth is Jesus Christ. And so, and so John is writing this letter, commending this man, but warning him, as well. And the first thing that we know about someone who's walking in the truth is they show hospitality to other people. This is what Gaius was doing. There were teachers that John sent out 
to go from church to church to church. John is probably quite old at this point in his life. And he, I mean, he calls himself the elder. Um, but he's quite old at this time in his life. And so he sends out other people with his authority to teach on his behalf. And so John would instruct a community that was right around him. And then he would disciple those, the, the, those teachers. And then they would go out and they would teach what John said. And Gaius would have those people come into his, uh, his church or his congregation. And we don't know if Gaius was the leader of the church or just someone of some note to John. But they would come into his thing and Gaius would show hospitality to them. He would send them on their way with a, uh, with a gift they could get from point A to point B. He financially supported them. He allowed them to teach. He was an active participant in their lives. He showed hospitality to others. This is part of what Christians are supposed to be known for. In fact, there's a spiritual gift of hospitality. This is sometimes tough for us to get our hands around, but God has gifted people through the power of the Holy Spirit, the gift of hospitality. I, I have this gift in a very small measure. I don't have none of it, uh, like I do compassion maybe, um, but I, ha I, have, I have this gift in a fairly small measure. I'm not the most hospitable person on earth, but I want to be. And I want to be hospitable. I want to be open-handed. I use that description sometimes to describe hospitable people. They're open-handed. Some people are closed-fisted, right? And if you want to try to, to get into their world, it's no, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. A hospitable person is generous with what they have, right? They're generous with their house. They're generous with their property. They're generous with their money. They're just generous people because they care for the needs of others. If you're going to be walking in the truth, hospitality should not look foreign to you, right? You should not look stingy and, and, and closed off, right? Now, some of us, like, we aren't inviting people over to our houses because if they open the door to our house, we'd be like, ooh, watch out, right? This right here, I didn't know you were coming. I would have, I would have cleaned up. I was talking to my dad two weeks ago. Uh, my, my parents are very hospitable people, by the way. If you want, it's an open invitation. Hi, Mom. Uh, open invitation. If you want to go spend a weekend on a lake, Cedar Creek Lake up in Malakoff area, just call me up and I'll send you up to my parents' house. They, they will put you up. No questions asked. If, if, if you want to go spend time up there, Billy Gray, you want to get out on the lake, you go on up, man. We've been up there together. You can go up by yourself. In fact, when I went up with Billy Gray uh, and we spent a weekend up there with my parents. And then when I was leaving, they were like, now, Billy, you can come back without him, okay? You don't have to bring Matt with you. You can just go by yourself, right? They're hospitable people, right? And I was talking to my dad um, about uh, church visitation. Church visitation used to be a real big thing, right? I mean, go back into the 80s. It's a massive program. Every Monday, I say Mondays, so that's always when it seemed to be, but every Monday you, you, you gather together to be, you know, 30 or 40 people from the church gathering together, and they would go visit every person who came, who visited church or Sunday school um, that, that day. What a wonderful program it is. What hurt church visitation, though, was eventually people stopped being just naturally hospitable. And then, like, now, like, it used to be when I was a kid, when the phone rang, man, there were kids sprinting across the house to go get to the phone. Some of you kids are like, why would they run across the house to get the phone? It's in their pocket. No, you ran across the house to get the phone. If the doorbell rang, man, you were sprinting to the door. You'd, you'd be on the other side of the door, and you'd hear, boom, 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 like three kids running into the door and opening it to try to get. Now when the door rings, we're like, man, why is Amazon ringing my doorbell? Just leave the package there. I'll get it when I come out, right? right we, don't, we don't want people to come over. Right now, I was talking to my dad about visitation. He said it just all changed. The whole world changed all of a sudden. But Christians, we should be hospitable. We should be open-handed 
people. Your life should be open, right? You're, you, what God has given to you, this is one of the reasons that we do um, offerings. I didn't talk about the offerings today. Maybe I should. Uh, I might get in trouble if I don't. Um, I don't know. Um, if, if you want to give a gift to the church open-handedly, um, we have a box there. There's a box in the back. You can give online. Um, but the reason that we, we give to the church, the reason that, that we, we practice giving, right, is, is to develop this open-handed concept in our lives. To say, like, what we have isn't really ours, right? God gave it to us. He entrusted it to us to give back for the good of, of, of the creation that he's given to us. So we're supposed to give back to those that God loves around us. We're supposed to be hospitable people. Gaius was a hospitable person. Teachers would come in. He would, he would, he would treat them well. He would give them the best he could. He would send them on along their way. And word got back to John that Gaius was that sort of a person. What a good reputation to have. Right, what, what do people say about you right, when, the, when the word is passed around about you? Right, what's, the, what's the end result of that conversation? Right, what do people say? And I, and I, don't, always, I don't really always want to know what people say. Uh, when I came to Rockdale, I'm not from Rockdale, Texas. I'm from the suburbs uh, of Houston. And so like, I grew up uh, in a very like, transient society. Like, people would come in. People would move out. There was constant turnover um, in the world that I lived in. I came to Rockdale, and that's just kind of the way my mindset is. It's like, yeah, you just shuffle the deck. Five years later, you shuffle the deck again. It's constant turnover. That's not the way it is in small town Texas, right? Most of you have been in Rockdale as long as I've been here. I've been here for six years. I feel like I've been here forever, right? Some of you are like, no, you just got here, Matt. Right? Like, like, you don't, like you don't know how so-and-so is related to so-and-so who's related to so-and-so who was married to such-and-such, -such, right? You don't understand that, and so you're not really from here. I know more today, by the way. I'm learning those connections. Sometimes I find myself pulling an Ernestine Besson and pulling three connections away and dragging people in. I'm like, hey, that person was married to that person. They're divorced now and they're married to that person. And they got this kid over here, right? Right. I, I find myself doing it. I understand why we do it, right? It's to, to, to draw the story of the community together. But when I, when I came to Rockville, I didn't understand uh, how, how it worked, right? And, and how like the word gets around about people. I've been here less than like three months, and there was already a word about me in the community. There was already like a, and it wasn't a positive word, which is a lot to say because like I'm a great guy, right? But it wasn't a positive word, and it had to, like, I don't know, we homeschool our kids and had to do with homeschooling and public school, and why would First Baptist hire a guy who would homeschool their kid? And it was like a, an assault on the church that the church would be dumb enough to hire someone who homeschools their kid. And so I just picked up the phone, and I called the guy in the middle of it, and I was like, hey, I hear you got a problem with how I educate my kids. Let's talk. Right? And he's like, well, uh, uh, yeah, he was very, a little confused because people don't talk like that to people. But I figure, like, like, like there's something about, about hospitality, like, as a, as a town, like, like, we have a reputation, right? And if your reputation is bad, right, you may have to do some work on that, right? If, but the people, like, I, I love, Johnny Hill's not here today. Johnny Hill is, is the, the host. Him and his wife are the host of our small group that we do on Sunday nights. He's probably with his mom today, I would imagine, up in, in the Canton area. Um, but that man is hospitable. I don't know why God just gave it to him. Like, I show up at his house, and he's like, here's uh, stuffed jalapenos wrapped in bacon. I'm like, awesome. Here's chicken nuggets from McDonald's, right? Like, here's, here's this is my contribution to the small group meal. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, I got some honey, though. You can dip it in it, so it's wonderful. Right? He's just got that gift in him. And so, like, when I talk about Johnny... Like, if, I, if you ever just get me talking about Johnny Hill, like, it's going to come up that he's just, he's just someone who cares for other people. He's open-handed with his stuff. Elbert Page, Elbert's not here today. God, you know what? You don't come to church, I'm going to talk about you, okay? Elbert Page, I saw twice yesterday. 
um, open-handed with the stuff. If, 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 Elper, if I needed anything in the world, Elbert Page, if he could get it for me, he'd get it for me. He just, he's just that sort of person. It's amazing, that reputation. Guys have that reputation. I would pray that the church would be filled with people that earn that reputation. You can't buy that reputation. You can't make people believe that about you. They see it in you. They see whether or not you have hospitality, you have generosity towards other people. Gaius had that person. Truth walkers, people walking in the truth, show hospitality to other people. Continuing on uh, in verse 9, John turns his eyes to someone else. He says, look, I have written something to the church generally, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, doesn't acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he's doing, talking wicked, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who, wants, who want to. And then he puts those people out of the church. And so, so what's going on here is Gaius is welcoming all these people. And then he's like, but there's this other dude, Diotrephes. And, and, I, and we don't know this guy. All we know about him is these two verses right here. Not great, by the way, his reputation for all time, but as recorded in God's word, it's not a wonderful one, right? But, but, but we don't know much about him other than the fact that he likes to put himself first, so he's selfish, he's got pride, he's not exactly what you consider to be like a dude that, that is humble and meek and mild, elevating himself. And then when he gets himself in a position of power, he abuses that power by kicking people out of the church who do exactly what Gaius was doing, which was helping the teachers that John sent. Um, he would just he would just kick him out of the church. How does he do that? I don't know. But some of you have been in small churches before, and you understand how people can get kicked out, right? It takes one guy in the right position at the right time to get mad enough to kick, to kick someone out. I was talking to my dad about that again two weeks ago, uh, and I was like I was like he's asking about the church and how I felt here. I love First Baptist Rockville. I really do. It's a blessing for me to be a part of this church. I said, but Dad, I'm always six angry church members away from being fired. Right, that's all I am. I'm six. I, I could have a hundred of you here. I'm the, the wrong six people being mad at me from being fired. I don't know why it works that way, but it is. I've been in Baptist churches most of my life. I know how that is. I'm six angry church members away from being fired. Josh Pease was, was that one, and he could make it happen in his church. He was the power broker in his church, and so people would come in and say, oh, here's this teacher from John. Let's have him come in. He'd be like, nope, get out of here. Like, no, he's from John. He's a good guy. He's like, no, get him out of here. He's like, well, but, but, you know, you know, he's leaving and you're leaving too. Get out of here, right? He's kicking the, the person out who's recommending the guy who John recommended. Right? He's a power player. And, and what John is telling Gaius in this situation is to avoid, avoid divisive people like Diotrephes. Right? There are people in the church and outside the church who are just divisive people. Right? If you want to walk in the truth, you're not going to be a divisive person. You're not going to go out of your way to undercut and to undermine to whatever is going on inside the church. You're going to be upfront with people, right? Because you're going to be telling the truth as you walk in the truth. But if you're around someone who's divisive, and we've all been around divisive people, right? Nothing's good enough. Nothing's right. They're always talking about someone else. Spoiler alert, if they will talk about other people to you, when you're not with them, they're going to talk about you, right? They're divisive people. They're wedge drivers. They seek problems, they create the problem, and then they drive the wedge in to destroy the body. That is the work of Satan in the church. It's been going on from the time the church began, right? John is dealing with a guy in the church. This was written probably like AD 90. So like Jesus has been resurrected for like 
60 years after the resurrection, and we've got this guy coming in the church, being a power player, power broker, dividing the church, inserting himself into power. And John is warning Gaius. He says, don't have anything to do with guys like that. There are divisive people. When you find someone who's divisive, you can rebuke them and then walk away. Right? And you'd be like, I hear what you're saying. It's not okay to talk like that. I'm done with this conversation. Right? And if it continues, then you need to work towards like, hey, we can't. Like, you're just constantly seeking problems. That's not to say there's not, all, there's not an opportunity for discernment, right? If there is a problem that's in the church that needs to be dealt with, that's a different issue. But there are people who make it their sole business in life to find problems. They're never happy. They're never content. They never get on board with the mission that God is doing in the church because they're so busy picking nits that do not matter. Not every issue is a gospel issue. This is this one of the issues with uh, theology today inside of the Southern Baptist Convention. Everything is a gospel issue. Our, our churches want to divide over everything. Right? I, a few Sundays ago, I, I got on to Calvinism a little bit. I'm not a Calvinist. I'm not Reformed. It's not my theology. Uh, I don't hold it. Uh, not, not very much, at least. In a Baptist way, I guess I do. But, but not really a Calvinist. Um, at my last church, though, we, were, we, were, we had Calvinists. My, my, my favorite Sunday school teacher in my last church was, was, was highly reformed, very, very Calvinist guy. Uh, and I loved working with him. Because while we had differences in our theology, we recognized those were not wedges that needed to divide us from fellowship. And the church would do well to recognize not every issue, even if it's a theological issue, is a wedge that has to divide the church. There is foundational theological issues. It's kind of like... A, of the triage, right? There's issues that we have to get right first, right? We have to deal with the, the nature of man, the fact that we're fallen and depraved and we deal with sin. You have to deal with the fact that God sent Jesus to be the sin, uh, sinless sacrifice, to die on the cross for our sins and rise from the grave, right? That Jesus is God in the flesh who came to take away our sins, to deal with the resurrection, right? There's some foundational issues we all have to agree with. And then inside of the Baptist faith, there's some issues that we have to agree with as well just to kind of like be able to do more than just evangelism, right? We can all do evangelism if we believe what I just said, but to, but to do like Sunday school classes and things like that where we have some specific teachings, you know, we might have to hold some areas together. That doesn't mean that the Methodist down the road isn't a believer in Jesus Christ. It's just we probably can't do Sunday school with the Methodist because there's going to be issues where we're just running into each other, just constantly running into each other, and that's not fruitful for either of us, right? But then there's issues that just don't, really matter. Like, you're not going to know the answer. I'm not going to know the answer. Why are we fighting over this? Eschatology is one of those things that I struggle with, right? I like eschatology. I've looked into it a lot, but, you know, there's like three what I'll consider to be orthodox views of eschatology. Uh, there's some heretical ones as well, right? And for me, like, if you're inside of those three, I'm not going to fight you on it, right? I have my opinion on the matter. I, I have generally an understanding of what I think is right on the matter from Scripture, but you want to believe in amillennialism? Okay, I guess. I don't fully get it, but okay, if that's what you're about. Or if you want to be in here today and you want to be reformed, if you want to believe in, you know, uh, double predestination and uh, the way God's sovereignty works out in a reformed manner, that's okay. I'm not going to kick you out of the church for that. That's not a dividing line in the church. Baptist faith and message doesn't say that we have to divide over that issue right there. But, you know, if you're going to come in here and tell me that Jesus is a spider monkey, well, we're going to have some issues. 
Well, we may not be able to do church today because Jesus probably isn't a spider monkey. In fact, the Bible's pretty clear. He's God in the flesh, right? He's not a spider monkey. And so we have some lines of division. But generally, most of the things that churches are dividing over are those third-order issues. It's I don't like the way the music is. I don't like the color of the carpet. Why are we doing this instead of that? What about, you know, our bulletins used to look like this, and now they look like that? And, you know, we haven't had a business meeting. And, by the way, I'd like to have a business meeting at the end of this month. That's a good side announcement there. But we haven't had a business meeting in so long. We haven't. Right, it's all these third order issues. We don't divide churches over that. Those are not issues that we should be divisive. And if you find someone who's always dividing over those issues, like I don't love the windows in this church. And if my whole like drum that I was beating was, hey, let's change those windows out. I think it looks like a lot of y'all first year babies' diapers, just just all in those windows. That's what it looks like to me. And no offense, because like they're not ugly, they're just not my thing, right? And they were probably like awesome when they came. This was built in the 70s, right? 70-ish. Like it's probably wonderful when it was put up. I just don't love them. But I'm not going to divide the church over the windows. Yeah, no reason to do that. Right? we got other things to do that matter. So if you find people who are dividing over nonsense issues, rebuke them and then have nothing to do with them. That's what John's advice to guys was. Don't, don't deal with these people. And then he continues on. He says, Beloved, do not imitate evil like the diatribes, but imitate good. For whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil uh, has not seen God. And then he, he refers to someone else. He says, Demetrius... It's one of John's teachers, has a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. And we also add our testimony uh, to him. And you know that our testimony is true. John closes, I had much to write with you, or write to you, but I would rather not do so with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we'll talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends each by name. All right, so, so he closes out, and he says, look, first of all, he says, look, if you're going to walk in truth, be hospitable. Second of all, don't have anything to do with divisive people, right? When you're doing your hospitality and divisive people are coming in and trying to smash you down, do away with them. And third of all, he says, imitate those people who are doing noble things. And he references this guy, Demetrius, know nothing about him, except for he was a teacher from John. And he says he has a recommendation from all of us and from truth itself. That would be from Jesus himself. He is a recommended teacher. He says, imitate this man. Uh, Paul says that as well, right? He says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And this picture of imitating noble people is all throughout the New Testament. We are called to look at faithful believers who are further down the road than us and to model our lives after them as they model their lives after Christ. Now, it doesn't mean that they are Christ, right? Because if you were to imitate me, there would be a time when you would find yourself yelling at your kids about something that's really not that important. Right, and that's not that's not a, that's not the ideal part of me. That's not the best part of your pastor. So, as far as I imitate Christ, in as much as I imitate Christ, you imitate me. It helps to have physical representations to look at. One of the wonderful things about about godly mothers, right, is they can give you something to look at. Right, my mom loved the Lord. Right, every Sunday morning she would walk into my my room. And she would wake me up, and my mom is not a singer. Sorry, mom. She's not a singer. She'd wake me up singing, this is the day. Right? She's clapping her hands and being real annoying. Right? But the reason, like, she was doing it every Sunday morning, dragging me out of bed uh, with an old hymn saying, it's time to get up because God made this day. All right? And a godly mother has an opportunity to do that, a godly father have an opportunity to do that. Your children 
look to you. Maybe you don't have children. Maybe your children are all grown. I don't want you to think. There are still people looking at you. So be imitatable. Be someone worthy of imitation. And, and where you find yourself struggling, look ahead of you to someone else further down the path and imitate them as they imitate Christ. See, see, John is trying to encourage Gaius not to have anything to do with divisive people. Find people who are admirable, noble character. Imitate those people of noble character and continue to show hospitality. Because, guys, if you're going to walk in truth, if you're going to be someone who, who, who John says, you know, I have no greater joy than to hear my children are walking in the truth. If you want to be that child walking in the truth, this truth walker, then you have to show hospitality and you have to be discerning about who it is that you imitate. Right? There are two types of people you can imitate. You can imitate Diotrephes, who's dividing in the church, or you can imitate Demetrius, who, who has a recommendation from truth himself. Right? So the question is, who are you going to imitate? And if you're going to choose that, then you have to be discerning to know the difference. Discernment is, is, is a lacking gift in a lot of our lives. Right? We see someone, we think, oh, that person's great. And we miss out on all the stuff underneath. And what I want to encourage you, look at the people's lives who you're around and identify. Is this person divisive? Are they always finding problems, finding issues, finding things to do? My wife and I had a friend. We talked about it after our, the relationship kind of exploded. And as we looked back on the relationship and how it exploded, you know, it became real clear. It's like, you know what? For the last, like, year of that, like, there was, like, never peaceful always had something bad, always had a problem, always had an issue. And we didn't pick up on it when we were in it, like when, when the relationship was still healthy-ish. We didn't pick up on the fact that, that this individual was, was just always negative, always down, right? Down, down on Christians, down on, like, just down, down on things. We didn't pick up on it until, 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 like, until the relationship just kind of went its own way. When you look back on it, we're like, man, we spent a lot of time with a divisive person. Right, who spent a lot of time just, just, just trying to drive wedges into places they didn't need to be. So instead of hanging out with those people who drive wedges, hang out with those people who have a recommendation from truth themselves. Hang out with people who look like you. Mothers, I hope you're, you're that sort of person. I know none of us are perfect. I know that your children see the absolute worst of you. What a, what a blessing that is, right, that your kids see you in your best and your worst. They get the real picture of you, not the Sunday morning you know, 10.30 to 11.30 picture of you. They get the real 100% picture. I pray that you've been someone worth imitating. If you've got some work to do, then, then, then settle that up. Fathers, dads today, your kids are looking to you. What are you showing them? Aunts, uncles, grandmas, neighbors. People are watching you. Are you walking in the truth? Are you showing hospitality? And are you discerning about who it is that you choose to associate with? Right? Your mama probably told you once upon a time, don't hang out with bad people. Right? Don't hang out with that kid. That kid's trouble. And we find ourselves as adults, years later, still hanging out with the same people. Be discerning about who it is that you bring into your circle. Because that circle impacts you and changes you. Let me pray.